0: Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, the podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today we're chatting with Amy Harrison in one of our special podcast series on Leaders Life Stories. Hi, Amy. Hiya. Hello. How are you today?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. Um, Looking forward to this. Um, Me too. So obviously we worked together a little while at Bristol Energy um, and I, I certainly remember the passion you brought to everything you did there. Um and probably more than anything, how you sort of made people feel. You know, you kind of left left them with sort of an energy and 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 you looked after people is what yeah. I remember. So I'm looking forward to seeing how you got to that point? But okay. What you've done since, and and where you're heading into the future? So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this chat today. Yeah, me
1: too. Me too. But well, that's thanks for saying that. That's uh, that's certainly what I want to do. So yeah, that's good to hear. Certainly. Cool.
0: Okay, great. So let's let's jump straight in then. So, um, let's if you would mind telling our our listeners, you know, a bit bit more about who you are and what your role is today.
1: Yeah, no problem. So um, so I'm obviously Amy. I live in Wiltshire with. My partner Adam, my kitten, uh, and soon a new puppy called Alf. Cool. Um, I actually did a fine art degree at university.
0: Okay.
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, and yeah, so I love painting, drawing, anything creative. Yeah. I discovered that I can knit quite well in lockdown, so okay. I'm always knitting. My family have got so many knitted things from me. That I sent <laughs> all the time. But I, I love it. It's really relaxing. So. Yeah. Um, I'm always happiest when I'm in my garden at home in the summer um, or on a Cornish beach. Cornwall's like a second home to me. I've got a lot of family there. I always have done, spent most, you know, a lot of my life there. And um, yeah, yeah, so that's where I'm really happy. Um, Work wise, I've had a 16 year career in renewable energy. Um, And when i was at university doing a fine art degree i didn't think i'd end up in, <laughs> in renewable energy but yeah. i was given a chance in 2007 to to start off in a in a small sales team in a renewable energy company mm. and i've always cared about the environment i've always loved nature and you know and i've always had, kind of had a fascination with the planet but it just really really just struck this passion in with me about the environment being in this company and yeah, and 16 years later, I, I still am just as passionate and gained a lot of experience within that sector. And actually, it's a really interesting sector. Mm. Um, working for kind of really ethically, um, ethical, environmentally focused companies is really, really important to me. And I've always been really lucky enough to do just that. Yeah. Um, I suppose, you know, my specialism is sales account management, retention, business development, anything kind of customer-focused. Yeah. Um, and I've worked my way up along the way into senior leadership um, and kind of the more strategic side of a business, as well as, you know, always being focused on that customer. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I love it. I love, I love it. And as I moved on in my career, I really kind of realised as I kind of built teams and led teams and led functions, I, I am quite skilled at coaching and mentoring. Okay. Um, yeah. and just I'm really passionate about developing people and, and the teams I lead or even if I don't lead them or you know even if they're not in my function yeah
0: you
1: know just helping people to develop um I just think it's the best feeling seeing somebody grow and develop their skills but more so really increase their confidence to go and do what they're passionate about yeah. I just you know it's the best feeling yeah.
0: um
1: and then in early 2022 um, I took a risk um, and I I joined a total new industry, non-energy focused, non-environmentally focused. Um, but the mission of the company was great and it really kind of sparked an interest in me. And I learned I learned a lot, um, but I quickly realised that actually I really missed being in a role that was focused on the journey to net zero, whether that's helping businesses or people to become greener and more sustainable. Yeah. But also I really miss knowing what I was talking about. Okay. Yeah. Learning something new was it was really great, but there's something to be said for really knowing your industry and your trade. Yes. And knowing what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, I decided to take voluntary redundancy at the end of January this year. Um, and that's where I am now on the hunt for my next role. So Great. but, but the last year, what's been really important is it's really made me realize what I want to do. But more importantly, what I really don't want to do. Yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, that's where I am. That's where I am today.
0: Cool. OK, you've shared some really good insights there um, into kind of what's brought you to where you are today. But let's take you right, right back now to sort of the beginnings of, of Amy and what you can remember. Um, and I always find memories are an interesting thing and, and whether they are memories that you remember or memories that you've been told. Um, and And this is a question that I, I put in with with all of these podcasts because I'm really fascinated by what people remember about their their sort of early upbringing so so what's what's your sort of first memory of of growing up and tell me a bit more about that
1: so i've i've got so i've kind of got two one is my very first memory is in when I was a child a toddler mm-hmm. yeah. first memory and then i've got something that's kind of stayed with me forever so um so my first real memory is being in Cornwall I don't know if you've been there to Bedruth and Steps and it's a a beautiful beach but to in the this would have been in giving my age away now but this would have been in the 80s to get down to the beach you had it was a cliffside and it was steps going down the cliff yeah. and my first memory that I can remember is being in my push chair being taken down these steps and I remember yeah and and for years later I had reoccurring dreams about going back up the back up the steps yeah and our dog at the time we had a border collie called Meg and she falls and I had these reoccurring dreams for 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 years and my mother and I actually went to back there um, in my early 20s just as a joke really to see if it broke the dream And it did. Never had it again. It was really, really interesting. It just never had that dream again. Now I just have weird dreams about being on massive ships out in the open sea with huge waves. So I don't know what that's about. (laughs) It's strange. But then I guess a kind of another memory is, and I think this is what has really forged who I am in some ways as a person.
0: Yeah.
1: When I was um, doing my GCSEs, I've never been when i was growing up i was never i was always much more artistic numbers didn't come naturally to me yeah um and they so when i was doing my gcse maths i didn't pass the first time i got great grades for everything but maths just couldn't do it
0: yeah
1: and i remember thinking well i'm not going to give up i'm going to do it again i ended up doing it about 8 times i okay. was still doing my maths gcse it's embarrassing but i was still doing my maths gcse <laughs> when I was about to leave sixth form to go and do my art foundation course at college. So I was this 18 year old going into the hall with all these 15 year olds doing their GCSEs. And I was doing it again and again and again. And it became a bit, um, I've kind of became known for it in sixth form and it became a bit of a standing joke. And people kept saying to me, why do you keep trying? You're not going to do it. Mm. You You know, I was always like a few marks off. And my maths teacher, he said to me, You can do it, you can do it. And and I'll never forget that. And it was the last chance I could do it. And he said to me, I always remember him, he was called Mr. Bishop. And he said to me, This is your last chance, because you go into college to do your up, up." And 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 I was determined to do it. And he's when when I went to get my result from him, because he used to give me the piece of paper and yeah, yeah. say if I passed. He said, uh, I said to him, don't look at me because I can always tell by his face.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I said, don't look at me. So I just remember so well going into the reception of the the school because my sick form was in the same school as the high school. And I remember just taking a piece of paper, going to the toilets and opening it up and seeing that I passed. And I remember thinking, I did it. That's amazing. And it had been two years. Yeah. And. What I realized, my mum said something to me when I told her, she said, Your tenacity will hold you in such good stead for your future. Mm. I remember saying to her, I remember it was I was walking back home and I said to her, I was on the phone to her and I said, What does tenacity mean? <laughs> and she said, and she told me, and I thought, yeah, that's something to be proud of. And yeah. I've realized me as a person, I don't give up.
0: Absolutely.
1: I, I just I can't I can't give up on things. Yeah.
0: Um, wow. Yeah. That's that's a really good. Good example, isn't it, of like how in your early life something happens, an experience that yeah. really forges who you become as an adult?
1: Yeah, definitely. It was really interesting. And what's, but what I suppose as well, that experience, what it's, what, how it's helped me is a lot of it was confidence. I can't do maths. I can't do maths. I don't get it. It doesn't work. Well, actually, my career, a lot of my career moving into, you know, sales, you got to know your numbers. Um. Actually, it's the confidence. It might take me a little bit more time than somebody who's exceptional at maths because I'm a creative person. Yeah. But I can't. I know I can do it. Yes. And, and it's confidence, and it's just practice, mm. habit. So you know, now I never thought I'd be able to say I can manipulate sales data and forecast sales data and and kind of you know all that all that number stuff. Uh, I never thought I'd be able to. Yeah. To do that and. Of Course, I can, you know. Yeah yeah, you can. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And it's you could you can take that into any example, can't you? Where you think you can't do something, and you and it's that internal dialogue how you're how you can convince yourself of yeah. your capability to do it, or how you can convince yourself that you can't do it
1: exactly. And also having somebody there saying you can do it yeah. that's why I love mentoring and coaching, that yeah, confidence building. Yes, people absolutely. can do what they want to do.
0: Yes and you know it's, it's a it's a what I find with mentoring is and I've been, I've been speaking to a lot of other mentors recently um and they will always go back to or often go back to something that somebody said to them yeah and that's stuck in their head and for me um I remember being on a leadership course uh, in in a previous business and and Talking about my confidence and how it would sort of peak and trough. Yeah, and he said to me, "You know, hey, and confidence isn't like a tangible item, like a pen. It's not something that somebody can give or take away from you. Yeah, no, yeah. It's something that that you know is inside you, and you you haven't changed as a leader in this time. You may have learned a couple of things. Yeah, You've gone through some experiences, but you are, you know." the same quality of leader that you were a couple of months ago so yeah. why in fact then does feedback either positive or negative from the ceo change how you feel about something because yeah. confidence isn't a tangible item yeah, like no it. absolutely
1: and it's been it was there it's not like you know people say i've had a you know i've totally lost my confidence mm. you haven't you just got to find it again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you've yeah. got to surround yourself with people that can maybe if you need a bit of help bringing that out yes surround yourself with people that do that for you
0: yeah certainly um cool that's a that's a couple of really cool stories there so thank you for that um and you've already shared with us obviously a a quite um different um going from fine art into sales now there's many people that would say selling is an art but i'm sure that when you were doing your art degree you weren't thinking oh i know this is going to allow me to sell renewable energy stuff to people in (laughs) the future um so so talk to me a little bit more about you know your journey to to you know where you find yourself and how you found yourself in that in that sort of in this career
1: so it's funny what you just said actually about you know selling is an art you've actually when you are an artist you've got to sell your work and I don't mean sell it for profit I mean you've got to get people to if obviously we all know art's subjective I don't actually sell my work but if I did unless somebody likes it instantly you've got to sell it you've got to you know you've got to explain what it is I had to sell my work to my tutors they didn't get it at university they didn't get it at all right, and it, because there wasn't a this big elaborate story behind it yeah I, I have a bit of a an obsession with the 60s, anything Woodstock, that kind of psychedelic hippie era. And a lot of my work was based around that. I'd paint huge rooms full of all over the walls, like psychedelic flowers, and there'd be lampshades coming out that you didn't know were there until you went up to them and all this stuff. And, and I remember my tutor saying to me, but you need a story behind it. You can't just say because you like the psychedelic movement. So why, why do I need a story? And they said, because you do as an artist, you need a theme. It's got to, you know, you need a theme. And I, I didn't understand that because I thought, well, there isn't one. I just like what I do. So in the end, I, I'll never forget it. I sat there, it was before my degree show. And I said, I've, I've got, I know what you mean now about a theme. And they said, oh, yeah, tell us, tell us. And I said, my theme is there is no theme. And they went, oh, that's brilliant. And I thought, oh, OK, <laughs> so I had to set find a way to sell it anyway. That's kind of by the by. But um, so yeah, I mean, where I I suppose, where I got, got to where I am now, I left university, knew I had to get a job, knew I kind of wanted to be in a um, in a, a creative environment and, and a job came up in Hobbycraft. Which is obviously an arts and crafts superstore. Uh, And I'd always I'd worked for my dad's company. My dad, my dad worked for a big precious metals company. Um, and over the kind of holidays I worked there in his, he was a sales director and I worked in the sales offices. Mm -hmm. Um and but then yeah, I kind of got my first full-time job in in hobby craft. And I realized, well, actually my boss at the time said, You're really good with customers and i was kind of the the art expert if you like so if somebody came in and said listen i need this kind of brush or i need this kind of paint i would yeah. go and help them and he said you're really good with customers so he promoted me to like the customer service supervisor i think it was at the time so i looked after the customer service desk and then um so that was in the midlands where i grew up and then just a few things in my personal life made me just think i need to be somewhere else really yeah. Um, and my mum lived in Wiltshire. She'd moved to Wiltshire because that's where she'd grown up. So I moved. Just took a huge risk there. That was probably the big one of the biggest risks I've ever taken. And I moved to Wiltshire, yeah. and I um, got a job in a sales office um, because that's what I'd kind of done before.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and it was not the best. It was, I wouldn't say it was sales. It was data entry. Yeah. Okay. And, but when I moved to Wiltshire, my mum so my mum's always run recruitment agencies, and she knew of this company uh, that um, were a renewable energy supplier down the road from where I lived. And she said, Put your CV in speculatively. She didn't actually work, she didn't do the recruitment of them. Um, And I remember getting an email back when I was in this other job and saying, Oh, there's nothing at the moment, but we'll keep your CV on file, blah, blah, blah. And about a year later, I left work and I had a voicemail on my phone. And it was somebody who is still a very good friend of mine, probably one of the best managers I've ever had. Uh, it was her, and I obviously didn't know her at the time. And she said, Oh, we've got a role as a sales exec in our very small sales team. They're kind of in they're kind of in customer service as well. Do you want to come and have an interview? And I went, so I said, Yeah, great. So I went down there. It was six o'clock at night. Um and I met them, This the, these two women who, yeah, fantastic people. And and it was a renewable energy company, like I say. And I remember them saying to me, and what do you do to kind of, you know, for the environment? And I said to them, well, I always make sure I unplug my phone charger. Now, little did I know that that was a big thing at the time. If you knew about energy saving. yeah, Because back in 2007, renewable energy was a massive yeah. um, premium product. It wasn't the norm. Um, we were the only hundred percent renewable energy supplier. So, um, anyway, long story short, I got the job, and um, it was in this small sales team. and And then I was promoted to kind of customer service team leader with a sales being my speciality. And I went to my boss and I said, "We need to, we need to create a sales department here. We need to, you know, we should be, we should be growing domestic customers. We sh- we should do this. We should do that." So. I got the go ahead and, and I was made, I think it was like sales team leader of a team of just me. I had to prove the concept. I flew the flag for a couple of years, just on my own, really, yeah. just selling to customers on the phone, just, you know, picking up the phone to, and, and kind of working with marketing to get some leads in. And then I'd, and I'd convert them and, and I'd kind of, yeah, prove the concept, I guess. And, and then as I kind of went on, I grew the team Um and I left that business after about 11 years um, and it was, you know, a, a successful domestic team and, you know, it was in B2C, a bit of B2B. Um, and then I went to Bristol Energy and it was, so I was, I was, um, I was taken on there because they had, they outsourced their sales team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they wanted to see whether they should bring it in house. So I was initially on a six month contract to to assess whether, the out the outsource sales team were going to you know do do well or whether they should bring it in house um so i kind of did all that kind of assessment and said you know you, you need to bring it in house we can increase conversion rates by xyz um i can build this team up i can build this department up which i did so there was no processes there was no people there was no governance there was no there was nothing hmm. so i um I built a sales function and I bought a guy along with me from my old company who I'd always worked really well with, um, still work really well with, he's worked with me at three places. Um, he, he's probably somebody that I'm most proud of that I've mentored since he was an 18 year old and I took him on as a sales exec and he's now, you know, an account manager. He's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, and, and we built this sales team together and then, uh, And then, you know, at the time it was, well, Amy's kind of outgrown the sales management role really, because, you know, I've been doing it for a while now and it was actually you, Ian, I don't know if you remember this, you said, we've got this opportunity for a growth optimization manager. Mm -hmm. And that was around um, looking at opportunities around the business uh, for growth elsewhere. And, and I focused on the home mover journey and to improve efficiencies and, and um stop the dropout and the rete- you know the d- uh, retention of customers but it was quite it was quite short-lived because then um i was approached for the for a role looking after the b2b team mm-hmm. yeah, yes so and that to this day is probably one of my favorite jobs it was brilliant so at the time the b2b team were a loss-making team really um, and that it was very broker heavy. Anyway, so I, I said, "Listen, we need to create this relationship led um, model, <clears throat> sales model based on trust, based on partnerships with customers. Double down on Bristol. Um, totally change the strategy and the way we do things." Um, which I did. I was really proud that um, you know kept everybody in the in the in the roles. It, people were just in the wrong job, so we kind of moved things around. Yeah. Put a kind of senior management structure in place focusing on on the customer journey so you know I looked after business development sales account management and operations and we did really well really really well and it was such a great bunch of people um I loved it and then unfortunately as you know Bristol Energy got sold um so and then I found myself at another um energy company that were constant that concentrated on heat pumps so I looked after the sales department there and I loved it it was The company i was so invested in them um and it was they they was they were a really real ethical company really Mm. fantastic and it was quite a green team when i looked at when i took on the role um so i you know i took them through a six months external sales training developed them coached them a lot of coaching and mentoring um obviously increasing the sales all that good stuff um and yeah, I did I, you know, I wasn't looking at all to leave there. But then I got approached by a guy that we both worked with at Bristol Energy briefly. Um, and he'd started a company with a few people, um, and it was non-energy, um, but a really good mission. It was about saving people's lives um yeah. in social housing. Great, great company, really good ethos. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna take a risk, I'm gonna give it a go. Um, and I did. And I was there for a year. And I learned a lot, um but like I said earlier, I missed that environmentally focused role, yeah. uh, and I missed knowing what I was talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. um and yeah, so that, and then, like I say, I took voluntary redundancy and and now I'm looking for there for there something are. else, yeah,
0: yes um and listening listening to your your you telling that story or retelling that story, there's a couple of things that kind of reach jump out to I me mean, one um clearly whether it whether it's customers or people in your team or just people around you obviously you're good at communicating to people and finding things that work for different people yeah you know when and you know you can replace the word customers just with people yeah definitely Yeah, just communicating to those people i've got something i think you're gonna get a value from it let me explain what that thing is and whether that's a job, um, how to be better at your job, or a product—it's all the same thing. And I think that's clearly totally. really what what you've learned and what you have become, you know, very very good at along the yeah. way. And I think if you're in, if you're in, and I, I also think, you know, sales sometimes gets a, you know, it's it's a bit of a dirty word, and you can yeah, read totally. it as you know, account manager, business development, client. All these other things, but ultimately, you know, it's still the art of of speaking to people and engaging people and telling a story.
1: Exactly, and people. I'm a firm believer in everybody is human. Whether you're a CEO of a company or the facilities manager or whoever you're speaking to when you're trying to sell your product, they're a human being. They can see through sales tactics and of course you know there is an art to selling absolutely but and and I'm you know you have to use those tactics I don't like the word tactics but you have to use those skills that you've honed Hmm. but those skills for me should be about making sure that what you're offering to this person is the right thing for them and being humble about it and and um treating them as a human I don't want I don't Don't like salespeople as a rule because they've got a bad rep. Because there's some terrible people out there. Yes. Um, But I've always been very clear that that's why working for ethical companies has been very important to me. Yes, I'm an ethical. I'm a. I wouldn't even call myself a salesperson. I'm a customer person. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah.
0: And 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 thinking, you know what? You've obviously already been really clear about. being tenacious and and that being a bit of a life lesson for you and and that's stuck with you obviously is there is there another life lesson you wanted to share with us today
1: yeah definitely um I think as well as I've always kind of gone through my career making sure that I'm I've always been humble I promise myself doesn't matter how high up in the ranks you get who's boss you are everybody can add value everybody should be listened to and you can learn from everybody else Hmm. so that's that's certainly something but I think the biggest life lesson that I've learned um without a doubt is self-awareness the art of self-awareness the skill of self-awareness whether that be of your behavior your strengths your own weaknesses the impression you give if you are self-aware you'll do much better in work and life Hmm. um if you don't have a good level of self-awareness, you can be- I think you know you can become deluded, defensive, difficult to work with, difficult to be around. And I learned that very early on. It was two- I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 2009, and it was very early on in my career. and someone who I worked with, who I had a massive amount of respect for, we got on really well. She told me that I'd become defensive, okay. and I was starting to become difficult to work with. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was difficult to make decisions together at work. And we were kind of both in middle management, if you like, but very both new to it. Um, And it really hit me like a steam train because I thought, you know, I was a joy to work with. I got on with everybody. I was really passionate. And And then I really realised after she'd said it, that I'd become so wrapped up in my job, trying to make, trying to prove myself wanting to make it work, that I'd started using passion for what I did as a reason for defending myself.
0: Right, okay. I've
1: got passion and being defensive mixed up. Mm. Um, and I've become narrow-sighted. And I just lacked this self-awareness of how I sometimes reacted to things that I didn't necessarily agree with. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so like I say, it kind of really hit me. But I'm so glad she told me back then because, yeah, I was really early on in my career. And I decided from that day to always look at myself first in any situation. You know, what am I doing? Could I have done something differently? How am I conducting myself? And just being aware of how you are being.
0: Um,
1: And everyone messes up. Of course they do. But the difference is if you're aware of yourself and what part you played when things don't go right. That's the difference. Knowing, you know, knowing what you're doing and because if you don't, you're going to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it will become a habit. And that's the, that's the point. So, in you know, in anybody that's been through sales training, you're always told it takes 21 days to form a habit. It's a, you know, it's a, a fact. So if you keep doing the same thing with a result that you don't want, you need to change what you're doing. Yeah. Otherwise, yes. it becomes a habit. So, I yeah, self-awareness for me is key. I really, I really do think that and people that I've kind of coached and mentored or teams I've led or, you know, I've kind of promoted that be self-aware, because it's much less likely you'll make the same mistakes and you'll be, you'll be, you'll find that you, you're a better person to be around.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good example. I'm sure that'll resonate with lots of people as well, actually. Mm. Um, So, so we now kind of move on to um, daily routines now I'm I'm guessing that your routine is different, uh, job hunting versus when you were in a job. Yes, and I, and I think there'll be there'll be you know there'll be people listening to this now that are job hunting themselves that'll have a, um you know they'll have a routine or maybe they're struggling to develop a, routine. a routine. Yeah. What 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 about you? Are you are you sort of in a planned routine or are you struggling to to maintain a routine?
1: I have days where I struggle um, because when you're, when you're job hunting, what I've, what I've, what I've really realised is I've always been quite, um, I wouldn't say lucky because I've worked really hard, really hard to to be where I am now, but I've often, this is going to sound really arrogant and don't mean it to, I've been headhunted for quite a few of my roles. There's been roles where I haven't been,
0: Yeah. but
1: this is the first time where I'm kind of like, ah, i it's all on me you know to to kind of find this next role so you naturally have um imposter syndrome and you know those kind of moments of really low confidence but um overall i think it's about for me it's about as much of a routine it's about keeping positive and keeping going yeah. so i said to myself um kind of early on after after i took redundancy that I was going to spend three days a week really job hunting. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: But for four hours each day.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's usually on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Now that doesn't always happen, obviously. But um, I I really think it's very important after you've been in a, in a quite high, you know, highly stressful or whatever role or or any role, if you've got some time out to make the most of that, because when you start a new role, you've, you've reset and you're fresher. So, um, yeah i I kind of spend four hours for those three days looking at looking at jobs um I make sure that I've got time for myself time to do so i I love reading for example, so I'll read a lot in the day as well okay. uh, i make sure I love having a clean house, so you know I will spend a lot of time making sure the house is always clean um but always make being strict to myself to to make sure that I'm spending these three days four hours a day job hunting. Yeah. but it's not, but it's, it's with, um, it's with a, a, a kind of a set, uh, schedule if you like.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. I won't just, it's not a scattergun approach, just Googling ethical sales jobs yeah. in wheelchair. It's <laughs> got to, you know, it's about looking on LinkedIn. Firstly, who, who am I, what are the, any jobs on LinkedIn? Who am I connected with? Re-contacting them, you know, yes. recontacting recruiters, um, so that's yeah, that's what I try and do in the week. Um, well, 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 you know, at the moment. But I think when I'm working, routine is really I've got a real set routine. <laughs> um, but I also think it's really important to switch up your routine every few months, even if it's just moving something that you normally do at the same time every day, moving yeah. it, just yeah. so you don't get stagnant, really. Yeah. Um but yeah, I've got I've definitely got a set routine when I'm working.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, a good a good approach and and certainly um you know i think when you when you are job hunting to think about doing that every single day with no no break no difference can be can be pretty i think damaging for yeah. you apart from anything else just kind Absolutely. of circle um kind of time again so having yeah. that base focus seems pretty smart
1: i also think with job hunting that this is what i've i've done if you have got, if you're applying for lots of things, you're gonna. If you get obviously good news and they want to see you,
0: yeah.
1: uh, that happened to me a few a few couple of weeks ago, and I had a week of all these chats, and I and it got over. It didn't get overwhelming. It got confusing, mm. and I and I remember thinking, well, hang on, the chat to this morning is that about that job or is it about that? And so for me. I've always, this is another mantra I've always had in my career, certainly do a few things and do them well. Hmm. Don't do, try and do loads of things and do them, you know, only at 50%. Yeah. So yeah. have a few things in the pipeline each week so that you can really concentrate on yeah. and really get into the the role and what you're going to need to prepare for an interview and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yes. I think that's, um that's a good thing to, to follow. Certainly the, you know, how can you, how can you have a really good conversation with um you know potential em, employer yeah. and have and done the research and and also being authentic with your passion and interest yeah. if you've done it 12 times already that week it, it can be quite quite difficult to keep saying I really love to work with you
1: exactly yeah absolutely and you do become um you can become quite robotic yeah. And, yeah, you know, I'd I, I would hate to to be like that. So yeah, I think you know, just doing a few things, doing them well, is yeah. is a good mantra to have.
0: You got spot on. Um, so shifting things up a little bit now, then are we we're we talking more, and uh, it's sort of a, a a bigger issue then rather than a personal issue. But I'm sure you have some personal stuff to share on this. Um, do you think that that bias will be removed in 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 your generation, or do you think as Humans, we will always have an element of bias um, in in how we do things.
1: I think, unfortunately, there will always be an element of bias. Um, Whether it's the same bias as people have now, you know, biases have changed over the years, Mm. uh, or whether it takes a new form, but I think it is the nature of humans to have opinions and to have different opinions. And yes, I think in some ways bias will always exist. Um I've been thinking about this actually quite a lot recently about I've always been really lucky that the companies I've worked for, being a woman, isn't a thing okay. it's not a thing I've, I've been really lucky with that, yeah um and sometimes I've heard women say, Oh you know, at board, I've had to scream louder and I've thought, really oh, is it really is it really like that out there um but I have experienced it more recently and and it's not a good feeling it's and it's something that I certainly wasn't used to um but and it made me think kind of my generation uh I think are the real real first ones that with a complete turn in bias um and you know I'm kind of really proud of that. I think that the the new generation now of kind of like 20 year olds early thirties, they're the ones that have kind of pushed that. But my generation are the first to go, ah, okay, no, that's interesting. Whereas when we were growing up, my generation, it wasn't if mm. if if it if some of the subjects around today had been around then, it wouldn't it would have just been strange yeah. to us. Yeah. So I think our generation my generation is the first to kind of be open to a new way. Yeah, yeah. Um so for like for example when I was growing up women worked but the men were nearly always the breadwinner unless it was kind of single you know single mothers but in the last 15 years I think that's really shifted and it's much more common now for it to be the other way around but I do think you know you're always going to have people you know even in my generation even in the new generation that will have different views some who still think women shouldn't work at all um and I think the reason it's always going to be there is if they have children they'll pass it on to them and then and it it's a never-ending cycle but i do think bias changes the subjects that people are biased about changes yes but i think just the nature of humans yeah yeah no i agree we should be more like animals <laughs> <laughs> they don't judge each other
0: no they just eat each other they so. just eat well yeah yeah we I mean we
1: shouldn't be like that obviously but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. they're not as
0: judgmental no no absolutely not um so Amy we're on our, our final questions we have whizzed through this and and you know I've been really pleased with what you, what you, you felt comfortable sharing today um obviously you're in a, a sort of a a bit of a crossroads for you and your career at the moment yep. and I find these conversations um, can be harder in, in the situation you're in. So I've been really thankful for how, how you've shared today. Um, and, and I guess this next question then is, you know, where next for you in in you know your career and your life? Um as well as you know, are there more pets? Or, are you know what sort of is it gonna sort of main are you gonna sort of keep on with the sales journey or is it, what 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 are you thinking? so you are right it is a crossroads um
1: and I've said it a couple of times now but I've really realized now what I don't want to do
0: yeah
1: um what I absolutely want to do is um be in a role doing something in a company who I really believe in and who eventually believes in me you know you've got to prove yourself in a company that are on a mission to do something good for the world, a mission-led company. I want to be in a role where I can use my skills and experience and just add the best value I can.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think one of the most important things for me now is I want longevity again. I want to feel totally immersed into a company and stay there and grow with it and see it grow.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, you know, I want to use, like I say, my skills and experience, and that naturally is customer you know whether that's sales business development account management leading sales teams developing sales teams whatever that may be i'm lucky that i've you know i've got b2c experience and b2b experience so um i just want to be able to add value to whatever i'm doing and i know that sounds a bit kind of business speak but it's true you know you want to be valued and you want to do the best job you can for the company that you love yes um, in my personal life I'm actually turning a milestone age this year I won't say what it is <laughs> but I'm treating it as a bit of a reset um, okay. yeah. kind of I, you know I, I, age doesn't bother me people go oh god I don't want to turn that age it doesn't I, I find it exciting yeah um, you know I think in I think you know it is a bit of a chance for a reset so I want to get fitter again I used to do a lot of swimming um, I want to get outside more I want to explore more of the UK I'm absolutely terrified of flying so the UK is on my doorstep. So. <laughs> I won't go abroad again, but um, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I will, and yeah, we are obviously getting a new puppy. We've got the kitten. I just want to be the best fur mum I can be to mm-hmm. them. Um, kind of start our little fur family. <laughs> um, we don't have children. so And just really focus on my family and my, yeah. my partner, Adam. Um, you know, see my mum more, see my sister more, see my niece and nephew more um you know see my dad lives out in the outer hebrides um so i have to get two planes to see him so <laughs> but, yeah i'd like to go there again just yeah. really focus on family i want to be happy doing yes. something worthwhile for a long time yeah that's, that's what i want to do
0: great and that's a, that's a real good point to close off i think um yeah. you know a really good summary of the journey that you've been through as well as where where you want to go next um so thanks so, so much for sharing today. Um thank you. You know, There'll be so many people that will be listening to this that will pull out loads of things that you've said that will really resonate with them or inspire them to consider what they're doing um, and, and sort of learn from the experiences you've been through. So thank yeah. you so much, Amy.
1: No problem. Thank you. No, it's been great. Really enjoyed it.
0: Cool. Thank you. So... As always, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, we've we've talked a, a good amount about mentoring today, um, but obviously Future Leaders sees this as a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, and we're here to help make a difference. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com and follow us on LinkedIn to jump in on our discussions. And for now, goodbye, and we'll speak again soon.